Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Show with your host, Jeff Lopes, where we bring you the world's top athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, influencers, and their journeys to success. Welcome to episode 183 of the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on our first returning guest after over 180 episodes, a good friend of the show, Steve Harris, business coach, life coach, and just overall amazing person. Sit back, everyone, and enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Cast Us. Have you ever spent the time to ask your customers how easy it was to navigate through your website? The reason I'm asking is 47% of customers expect your website to load in less than two seconds. Retailers lose an estimate $2.6 billion every single year just because their website is too slow and not easy to navigate. You have to realize your website is your virtual representation of your traditional brick and mortar. It's almost like your salesperson 24-7 telling your customer a story about your brand. By having your website streamlined to offer the best user experience, you're able to be more efficient with your time and resources for your customers. Castus is a team of business developing experts that enables a B2B e-commerce to streamline the relation between your wholesalers and your resellers. They create custom digital storefronts that cater to both your products and your buyers to drive online orders and strengthen your brand loyalty. Castus in-depth experience working in the back-end logistics to front-end customer experience and everything in between makes them the perfect full-cycle partner for your business growth. Visit their website, castusglobal.com forward slash Jeff Knows to set up a non-obligation one-on-one free consultation with one of the experts to learn more. That's C-A-S-T-U-S-G-L-O-B-A-L.com forward slash Jeff Knows. That's J-E-F-F-K-N-O-W-S. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Nosing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lope. Super excited to have on our first out of 183, 184 episodes, our first return guest. I love it. Uh, uh, an individual I, I consider a friend now, and um, I love seeing everything he does. Steve Harris. What is up, brother? I'm good, good, good. Good to see you, brother, as always. I've missed you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so since we talked last, a few big things have happened in your life. You got on a plane, yeah. you got the family, you packed your bags, and you moved to the U.S., to Texas, to be Absolutely. Back. How How was that? Let's talk about that for a bit. Uh, man, um, it was a big shift. That's that's what I can say. It was a big shift because, you know, I've lived most of my life, you know, in Nigeria, give or take, you know, studying and other things. But it was a big shift. And um, but my family loves it. It was it was pretty hard to say goodbye to family and friends and, you know, everything you're, you know, you've known. And so to speak, to move to a new place. But, you know, it's, it's been six months in today. I mean, today is literally the sixth month that we've been in the U.S. And um, it's been good. It's been good. How's your uh, how's your daughter taking it? Is she enjoying it? Is it a cultural shock for her with school and stuff? Like how, how is she adapted? Uh, well, I think she's adapted great, to be honest. You know, she's having a good time. She's made a lot of friends. Um, she's, you know, getting closer to the honor roll. So she's happy with that because she's very, very into education and learning. So, you know, she's, she's good. She misses her friends from time to time. But, you know, the beautiful thing about technology, she can always call them, FaceTime them. So, yeah, but, you know, she's, she's doing good. You know, she's doing great. How's the, uh, how's the, um, we're going to talk about a few things that I, I, I want to bring up today, but how's, how's your wife, um, been with the move? Uh, so for her, it was a little bit trickier 
You know what I mean? Because yeah, she's very, very rooted to where we come from, and culturally, a lot of her fam- her family is you know back back home in Nigeria. So she didn't take it well initially. It was a bit hard to settle down, but you know now she's going into the swing of things. You know she's got you know her mom is here as well, so that you know she's happy about that. Um, she has a couple of friends that you know keep her rooted and grounded. So she's 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 you know she's come around. She's happy. Um, you know what they say: happy wife, happy life, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about that, how's how's business been since the transition? Are you still are you still navigating a majority of your clients back in Nigeria, or you've moved to more of a U.S. based customer? Like, what what are you doing business wise? So, I I think right now it's more of a let's say it's more of an eighty twenty. Okay. So about eighty percent of my business still comes from Nigeria, while you know we're still launching into the U.S. market, getting ourselves known, collaborating. Uh, reaching out, seeing how we can serve, you know, the community. So it's it's a bit more of eighty twenty, and I think as we go along, you know, we're you know we'll make the numbers climb eventually. My focus really is to, you know, really really um, reach out to the U.S. market or the North American market, as the case may be. So, yeah, baby steps, but we're moving. We're moving. How 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 is how have your clients reacted with the move? The ones you had back home. Um, I mean, obviously with technology, you're still able to do what you have to do, but how do they react not having you locally? Like, is there, is there a pushback? Like what I mean by this, is there a pushback that you're not grounded or rooted back in Nigeria? Now you're, you're living in the U S and you're trying to still work towards us as a, as a customer base. Like how do how do they react to you? Well, to be honest, I don't think there's much of a problem. Good. Um, because again, you know, I still have a business running there and I've got a team of associates and consultants. So, oh, so you've kept that. Of, you've kept that. So, I've, I, so yes, yeah. so I've kept that. So my, my team is just working. And if the client needs me, then they have to pay a premium recognizing that I'm not in the city. Um, so yeah, so things are still going, <clears throat> pardon me, things are still going very well. Um, my clients, of course, for, I think for the longest time with my consulting business, maybe at least four years, I'd kind of dissociated myself from the every day-to-day running of the business. But beyond that, um, I, I, it, it, it takes a lot to get me to be physically present with my clients. You know what I mean? It, it means if they need high-level strategy, then that's when they're going to call me. But if it's the regular mundane consulting interventions, they've got my team. So we, 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 we didn't skip a beat. So I think that's a good thing. Do you, is there a handful of clients? Do you still work with one-on-one or anything or no? Are you yes, pushed away from of that? Course. You, there is, huh? No, no, no. Yeah, there is. There still is. Yeah, there still is. Particularly now that I'm in the States. So yeah, there are quite a number of people I'm working with here as well. So when you're targeting, what's your demographic? Are you still targeting more the Nigerian community? Or are you open up to everybody now? Like, Where's your, where's your oh, mindset with the business? No, it's a lot open. It's a lot yeah. open. I mean, the world the world is a big place. So I love I mean, it. Yeah. It's great. The world is a big place. So to be honest, I'm really not focused on the Nigerian market per se. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm grateful that a lot of my work still comes from there because you know we built a brand, we built some history. So there's a lot of referrals and business that still comes. But you know, you know, you can't drive forward looking backward. You know, you can't drive forward that. looking in your in your rear view. So um I hate to say it this way, but you know, Nigeria is in my rear view. <laughs> so we are moving forward and just trying to see how we can make a bigger difference in the world so yeah i love that i love that so give me give me give me your understanding like how, how what's your daily routine now that you're in the u.s are you have you got you said today um health wise you're obviously trying to take care of yourself and this is something we yeah. actually talked about 
it's been a year almost more it's, than it's a, year. a year more than about a year, year and we had this conversation yeah. <laughs> so where's your priorities with that right now no to be honest i think i'm doing pretty good you know um i kind of work out like four days a week okay so then my wife and i go on long walks so she's really happy about that <laughs> um so i mean so so we're, we've, we've been doing great with that um today was a little bit different because um uh, the doctors noticed that my blood pressure was slightly elevated. Um, and I also think it comes with the stress of moving to a new country. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, there are a lot of things that I perhaps would not have to worry about. Like, I mean, give, give an example. I mean, back home in Nigeria, I had a driver, you know, now I have to drive everywhere and I hate driving. Yeah. So, and Texas is so, you know, Dallas particularly is so large and you have to drive from point A to point B. Uh, I'm certain that's probably how it is in Canada. So something like that, that elevates my stress, you know, so getting on the road and driving just elevates me a little bit. Um, but yeah, health wise, we've been doing pretty good, you know, vegetables, fruits, you know, the whole nine yards. I'm trying to look lean and limber like you, Jeff. I'm trying to, it's really hard, but it's really, extra, really extra, hard. That's an extra, that's an extra stress to your life, but it gets there pretty easily. <laughs> I know. So you can see the last time we spoke, I wasn't this all gray and grizzled. So I wear half for I wear half for a reason. I'm all gray and grizzled too. And I I, I just shaved this morning on purpose. Keep the keep the baby face going for you. It works. It works. I'm, I'm sure my, my wife doesn't want me to keep the baby face. She's she's got a thing with men with with men with beards. So I'm stuck with this. Uh, how how do you find um how do you find Texas? I mean, and, and I'm going to talk about a couple of topics. This, I mean, it obviously just happened yeah. about a week ago with the, the with the, uh, the school and stuff like that, because I'd like yeah. to hear your output on that. But how do you find Texas overall living wise? Because obviously like it's great for taxes. Great. There's a lot of benefits there. Yeah. How, how do you yeah. how do you find it? And is this something where you, you plan to stay rooted there? Or is there anywhere else you're looking? Are you comfortable there? Uh, I, I think we're really comfortable here, to be honest. Because you have your you sister know, there, right? Yes, my sister's in Dallas. You, you've got a great memory, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so my sister's here as well. Um, normally, whenever I travel, we either stay in Jersey, uh, New Jersey, New York. Um, but uh, I, I, I like Texas. Texas is pretty. The weather is great. Yeah. Um, the weather is great. The people are really cool. They're really friendly and, and nice. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I like it. it. It's it's great. The the environment's pretty cool. We've settled pretty pretty well. So. Yeah, I, I think we might put down roots here. Who knows what what'll happen? But you know, I like Texas. Let, let's let's talk about that because obviously you have a daughter going to school and stuff like that. How how did when did you hear about the uh, the shooting and how was your reaction to it? Dude, that is the craziest thing about this country, man. I am sorry to anyone who is. No, American. I think I, I think conversations like this have to be had, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I mean, I, I just saw that, you know, you know, Justin Trudeau just even banned all handguns and weapons. I personally, I think that's a great thing. I don't know. Personally, because again, I'm, I'm coming from an environment that the only p- people who carry guns are the military. Military you know I mean? or that's, police. That's where yeah. Or the police. That's where yeah. I'm coming from. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, we don't see people, you can't carry a gun in Nigeria. There's no way you're going to carry a gun. Yeah. You know? So moving here and then seeing um, the ease to access to weapons for me was was very jolting and i'm not gonna lie the moment we heard that that you know the school you know massacre happened we were terrified we were terrified i mean of course we pray and we trust god that you know our families are protected and it's really sad no no child i mean i read a stat on twitter i don't know how accurate it is to be honest but i read a stat that there have been more more kids have died from gunfire in the united states this year than police or military personnel. I think that's crazy. 
I think that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, so it's, so it's, it's, and just in, in 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 general, like the mass, we want to call them mass shootings, and and obviously one an individual in my office, one of my staff, actually said the other day, anything considered two or more is a mass shooting. But still, when you look at the numbers, they're saying there's been more mass shootings than days this year in the U.S. It's crazy. So it's, there's there there are stats there that just make you try to understand and you're you you try to understand both sides because you're getting a lot of ex-military when you see certain yeah. posts by individuals saying it's not the guns it's they need to focus on on, on mental health care and other issues but if 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 the guns weren't there would this happen so you have to look Absolutely. at both sides right and yeah. when i first heard it um i just heard it over the news i was i was listening in my car i was just driving the jeep and i heard it and then for some reason that what locked in my head because it was just quickly on the news was high school student. They say he was 18 or something, the high school student. I thought, yeah. My first reaction was he went back to his high school. He was picked on or... That's what I, was, that's what I was, thought. And, and then when I got home and I was sitting down having dinner with my wife and, my, and, I, said, and I said, I brought it up to my wife. She goes, do you realize it was all eight, nine, 10 year olds? And I was like, what? And that just... And I, I'm sitting here looking at my two kids and I'm like, are you effing kidding me? That's crazy. I, just, I, I literally got nauseous right out of the way. I was just like, this, this, is, this is insane. It it's is. insane that that could happen. Those... Those lives will never, ever. Those parents will never. You're, how do how do you even wake up the I next day? I can't even begin to imagine. I mean, you know, I, I I see you with your kids, and I I can tell that you you know your family is your life. Yeah. Now imagine, God forbid, oh. losing losing that. I can't begin to imagine, man. It's a conversation that needs to be had. But hey, I'm not American, and you know, there are more people who are more invested than I am. But the fact that I live and breathe here, you know is a concern. It's a concern that someone can just claim. I mean, of course there are mental health issues and, you know, these things, you know, are to be discussed, but like you said, if the guns weren't there, he would not go in there, you know, popping and and shooting. It's, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Do you see anything in the way of in the works that could that is correcting or any suggestions to correct what is happening? And, and I, 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 an individual did a post the other day, and I and I listened to it and I read it, and and it somewhat made sense, but part of me feels like the American government will never do it. It was um, an individual said something where, and I'm and I'm just air quoting here, so it's not too exact, but. It was something in regards to that if you put took one ex-military, a retired military, and put them in every single school as quote-unquote security and paid them a minimal of, say, 70000 it would have been a total of, I don't know what it said, $9 billion. But the U.S. and the U.S. says they don't have the funds for it, but they just sent $40 billion to the Ukraine. To Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. So something like that would that solve the issue would that help the issue uh having one or two trained teachers that are armed in the school would that help this situation with that it's 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 just so many factors right uh, i don't i don't know bro but because you know 
I heard this conversation that um, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is to get a good guy with a gun, which is perhaps what you're saying. Yeah. But but what but what happens if God forbid the good guy has some mental health health issue and then just decides to just go gangbusters? I don't think I don't think the issue is whether it's a good guy or a bad guy. I think it's the the fact that the weapons are so accessible. Available. Yeah, it, there, I don't I don't see any reason why you know there should be military style assault weapons available for sale. I don't think so. We're not fighting a war, you know what I mean? You want to get a handgun? Okay, yeah, but I mean a military I mean a military grade weapon has no business. I mean, there are no background checks or none of those things. I mean, I get that Americans talk about oh, the right to bear arms and stuff, but we're not in a war. You know what I mean? And the you know the right to bear arms should be for militia. And I don't think the the average American is a you know a militia person. So I don't know. Maybe this is a conversation that's above my pay grade. I don't know. But to be honest, as a father, as a parent, as yeah. But it, these are conversations yeah. that people need to have, and the more people have, the more I, I people agree. listen to it. It just it brings awareness. It brings attention to it. Whether people are going to agree or disagree, because you're always going to have people that are going to be on your side or against you. That that is every single every single factor every single idea you have there's going to be two sides of the fence right so but i mean it's, it's, it's a topic that we have to talk about and and don't get me wrong there are there are mass shootings in other countries but it's just the numbers true. the true the bare numbers are just insane and we actually had um a few one day maybe two days later a copycat um here an individual took no it, but it was um it was an air pistol so it wasn't a real like gun it was like one of those air guns and the police right. actually police actually shot and killed him here and it was he he, he was showed up at a school with a and, and 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 he had done some posts on social media or something like that if i'm not mistaken that it was essentially it was a copycat right right um but it's it's so scary man just when you hear that your kids go to school and 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 you get it that is. call your your heart stops right it is. It's. It's. No parent should ever have to get that call. No parent should ever wonder. Maybe that this, God forbid, is the last time they'll see their kids. I think it's. You know. I think we need to make it as hard as people, hard as possible, for people to get guns. You know what I mean? That's what I believe. I believe that insane. You know, background checks. I mean, I. I read something on Twitter. Um, I don't know if it's accurate, but they said to get a get a gun in Japan you would have to go to the police, right? They would screen you. They would do like work history, background history. They would ask your family. They'll just, they'll, they make it so hard for you to do, to get it that if you do get it, you know, you're going to, I don't know what it is. But it's, I it's, think pretty, it's, really it's pretty, it's very difficult in, in, in Canada as well. Um, if, if I'm correct, if you have an ex-wife or um, an ex-partner, they're also interviewed, even though they're out of your life to see your history physical history and stuff like that they're interviewed right. as well through the process so it's not an easy process to get a to get a gun here in canada as well right so there there's a lot of steps in and and hoops you got to kind of go through to get a get your gun license here in canada as well so it's interesting i mean that's a, i wouldn't say your gun license but to actually physically carry a firearm uh-huh. or to be able to to transport a firearm yeah. oh, man either way it's People shouldn't have access to guns. That's what I think. Yeah, I know. I, I yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on your side with that stuff because I'm, I'm not a gun guy in, in, in to start with. So something. Let's just change topic now. Like uh, there's something we saw the other day, and I threw a comment. 
what is up with Steve with the dating game now? You're trying to hook up people too. <laughs> I'm doing you my know, best. You know, bro. you know, you know that was gonna come up in today, huh? I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So what is that up? What's up with that? Well, you know, to be honest again, um, you know, I come from a culture where a lot of good women are single. You know what I mean? And yeah. they're unfortunately they, you know, there's they're scared they're aging out. Okay. And you know, I wrote a book, <clears throat> I wrote a book maybe, <clears throat> excuse me. I wrote a book maybe about five years ago. Um, I called it from friend to fiance, you know, how to get him to want you without letting him know you want him to want you. Um, and it was a pretty, it was a pretty big hit back home, back home in Nigeria. We sold over 5,000, 6,000 copies. And a lot of women were really blessed by that. And um, I started getting a lot of women say to, you know, say to me, uncle Steve, you know, you got to do something We're all, you know, we're the good guys. All the good guys are gone. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, they're not gone. They're like, yeah, they are. They're gone. They're married. And all the single guys just aren't ready to get settled. Um, so I decided, okay, you know what? Maybe there is something here. Maybe I could coach women. Since I've already written a book and it was a pretty big hit, let me start coaching women to understand how men think. So it's almost like, uh, you know, they, there's a book, uh, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From yeah, Venus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that sort of, yeah. So, so it's just, you know, helping women understand the way men think. And so to speak, position themselves differently. Let's, let's again, talk. Let's know. let's talk about that. Break that up to me. <laughs> give me, give me. I'm I'm your female client. Give me a position. How, how would I position myself? <laughs> so again, so we've got to think about different contexts. So now this is a more Western context from where I where I come from. Okay. So the cultural nuances might be a little bit different. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so 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 give you an example. So back home in Nigeria, there's the there's a narrative. Women say, "I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle." Right. And I say, you got to settle. You have to settle, you know, and for them, that is counterintuitive. They're like, no, why should I if I want something so great, I shouldn't you know, I shouldn't settle for anything less. And I say to them that, you know, the difference between men and women, how they think, for example, a woman, a woman um, feels like let me, put it, let me put it this way. A woman feels like she doesn't have to settle for less. So subconsciously, she suggests that she is more. So because I am more, I will not settle for less. Now, when guys think, guys don't think that in marrying you, they're settling for less. A man does not have, oh, you know, this is better. This is this is worse. This is better. He's, he's not making a decision based on, you know, the fact that, oh, I want you means that I'm settling for you. Men don't generally think that way. So wait, which, which, you, which, which way, how does, how do men think? So in my opinion, I mean, African men, basically yeah. African men don't, don't, we don't have a, a Richter scale. We don't have a performance scale. Women, women feel most African women feel like, oh, um, you know, I need to, I need to get a guy who fits you. Know, give, give an example. So um, the average woman in Africa would say, oh, I have a list, tall, dark, handsome, this, that, and the other. So they, you know, they have a list. Guys don't have a list. If a guy likes you, he likes you. There's no list. He just he okay. loves you. There's a connection, right? So one of the things I tell the women is like, look, your fantasy is getting in the way of your reality. So get rid of your list because you're looking for a cookie cutter guy who's, you know, on, who ticks all the boxes, but he's not there. That's not the guy you're going to see. So you have to, so to speak, not necessarily lower your expectations, but get rid of the list because that fantasy you have is actually getting rid of the, it's standing in the way of the, the future reality or the happiness that exactly that you want. So it takes a lot of unlearning and so to speak, retraining because I don't know, again, like I said, I come from a culture where, you know, um, yes, of course, every woman is upwardly mobile and they're doing all, all, you know, all the right things. But for many women who've grown up in church, um, 
they've heard the narrative of, you know, you know, yeah, so he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Some of the scriptures that we say, which are great. But then again, sometimes women feel like, oh, they're the prize to be won. But I'm saying, listen, you're the problem. The reason you're aging out, unfortunately, might be because, you know, um, might be because the guys that you want are no longer within your market. So let me give this example. So please forgive me who's who's going to listen to this podcast. I do not mean to offend. This is a cultural <laughs> nuance that is particular to me. All right. So if you're Western, this is my caveat. This is my disclaimer. Don't 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 cancel me. All right. I'm going to put I'm going to put a big staff on this thing. Yeah, just put a big staff on this. Right. So give you an example. So I say, and I explain to the women this way. I say to them, if you if you have a chocolate bar, Jeff, and you price it at a thousand dollars, and you put it right there on the store. Um, it's it's right there in the display case. And people come and they see the chocolate, it's beautiful. And once they ask for the price, oh, it's a thousand dollars, they're like, oh heck it, nah, I can't afford that. And, and they and they walk away. And I say after a while, if the chocolate bar has been there, even though this chocolate bar was, you know, it got, you know, the the, the manufacturers got the cocoa beans from maybe Brazil and it was assembled in Switzerland and sold in the US, as long as it's out of their price range, they're not gonna buy it. Now, eventually, what's going to happen is that if the store manager recognizes this bar has been here a long time, what's going to happen? He's going to lower the price. He's going to discontinue or put it on sale. Now, guess what's going to happen? It doesn't mean, so for example, in reducing the price of the chocolate, it doesn't mean you're reducing the value. I'll I'll put it this way. So the, the chocolate bar does not lose value because the price was reduced. If the price is reduced, it's now making it more accessible to a market that can afford it. So unfortunately, what happens with most women, most African women, is they feel they put a price in themselves and say, this is the price, and if you can't afford me, go. Now, unfortunately, it's a buyer's market, not a seller's market. So unfortunately, in, in Africa, there are more men than women, right? So it's a buyer's market. So he's going to feel like, well, if I don't buy you, please forgive this term, if I don't purchase this chocolate bar, I can go right next door. I'm not losing anything. So at the end of the day, don't just put a price on you and say, this is my fixed price and I'm not, I'm not negotiating. You, you don't lose your value by reducing your price. Reducing your price just makes you more accessible to a market that still desires you, but couldn't afford you. So it's a totally different conversation, but you know the beautiful thing about it is a lot of the women when they come in the program. What about what about what what about the expiry date there? Well, I don't go there, bro. I I do not go there. (laughs) I don't go there. (laughs) You know, because again, because again, because these are the things that you know have been sold to women again to say that of course there's an expiry date and this, that, and the other. But it is, it is. I mean, I, I, when it comes to relationships, when it comes, I mean, the first thing whether people are going to admit it or not, um, you're not. I mean, a long-term relationship, you're gonna, you might start bypassing that when you get to know somebody. But right. I mean, initial is attraction. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's, there's has to be some physical attraction there, um, and then from there, you get to obviously know the person, and you're, you're trying to essentially find for a partner. You, you're trying to find your best friend. Yeah. I mean, there, Absolutely. there is going to be a time when looks are not going to matter. True. And if you don't have, I remember it was, uh, I don't remember who said this. It was literally, I think it was like Tom Cruise or something. I was listening to an interview once and he says, when you get married, you always have to have that mindset that knock on wood, there's an accident and, and, right. and your partner's disfigured. Absolutely. Are you going to not love them as much anymore? 
you Absolutely have enough. to you, you fall in love with the person inside you fall in love with their their character that friendship that Absolutely. that that union and 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 looks deteriorate things happen right so but True. It, but be realistically I, I mean where you're you're first starting to date attraction has to have to come yeah. and then we, like i said when you say your standards at a certain level you might not be looking at all these other layers where which are going to be the the, the heart of everything that's going to count for the long term right so yeah, absolutely I, I get you i get you be, be, because because here's the thing jeff a lot of the women that i speak with are a lot older so then they're late 30s early 40s and then i i always ask them the question do children. you think you probably did not not just not just even the children thing but yeah. do you even do you, do you think you've missed out on certain opportunities because of your list or because you were too choosy and they're always like absolutely and one of the things that i always reiterate to them is love is a gift but yeah. it doesn't always come in the package you want yeah right love is a gift but it just doesn't always come in the package you want so what many women are doing unfortunately is that they are throwing away the gift because it didn't come in the right gift box you know, when you buy a cologne, what you want is the fragrance. You throw away the box. When you buy a, a computer, an, an, an iPad or a Mac, you throw away the box, right? But what many women are doing is that they're saying, look, if it doesn't come in this box, I don't want the gift. But love is a gift. It just doesn't come into in the package you always want. But I think we're, so, we're, we're, we're pre-set to always be attracted to the package. When you go right. to a grocery store and you see 30 olive oil bottles on the shelf, all different brands. The one that catches your eye is the one you're going to push to first, right? So right. I, there's two sides to it, right? There's two sides to it, but I, I, I get you. And 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 you have to understand too, I mean, there's exactly what you're saying. There, there is a time when as a female, if you do want to reproduce and have children and stuff True. like that, you have True. to you have to look at all these these factors, right? But um, True. Who would figure Steve, the love, the love connector. Did you register a separate business for this? No, I did not actually. It's just, it's for me, it's just a passion for me. It's not, it's, it's not really, I, I don't do it for monetary reasons, to be honest. It's just there, something. There that, is, there is, there is business there. I, I know. I know. <laughs> I agree with you. Absolutely. I know. The love doctor. Let's go. Uh, bro. It is what it is. <laughs> hey, we're, I'm maximizing my gift. I'm sharing my gift with the world. So I got entrepreneurship. I got business. I got love too. So it's beautiful. So, so business wise, give me a rundown with um, what you've been doing and, 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 and how you've been helping individuals. Are you still working? I remember when we first initially started our conversation a year ago, uh, you're, you're, you're hyper-focused on um, more smaller businesses. Have that scaled up? Has that changed? Or are you still looking at smaller businesses and helping people build, develop, and start ground up? So it's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, you know, Yes, of course, I do help smaller businesses. But right now, I'm in, in that phase where I'm helping people scale. Okay. You know what I mean? So, so there's actually a program that I have called uh, the Goliath program, right? And basically, what the, the idea of that is, um, I also recognize that most businesses, and I'm speaking, first off, I'm speaking from the, co the context, cultural context from which I'm from, right? Most of my clients um, in Africa don't have, they, we don't build transgenerational businesses. You know, most of us just build a business for pure survival. And once we're dead, that's it. And for many of us, our businesses don't even survive the term of which we're alive. You know what I mean? So most entrepreneurs just build businesses to just, you know, take care of themselves. They're, they're more see, see. special purpose vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. I call that 
there's there's entrepreneurs and then there's self-employed. To me, gotcha. that's self-employed. When you're self-employed, gotcha. when you're trading your time for money mm. and money, you're self-employed. There's no difference. Absolutely. The only difference of, of somebody else paying you, you're just paying yourself. So you're just True. living as your means. And a lot of times when those that 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 need, that want um from your customers isn't there, that's when the business falls apart. There's no sustainability, Absolutely. there's no passive income. So once you start learning how to do passive income, you start building it, you start bringing in employees, that's when it comes, you become quote unquote an entrepreneur, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So taking people from that level, then also with some of my clients here as well, um, they're in the place where they want to be able to scale and then diversify. So there's a lot of conversations going on, really quite exciting stuff, but you know, that's, that's the journey I'm on right now. So give me, give me an example, like give me an example, of one of your clients, you don't have to give details, but when somebody is at that point, when, when do you find them? And I, what you do, I do as well. So when you, yeah. where do you find, when you have somebody at what level you say, you know what, you're ready to take the next tier and, and, and whether it's bringing employees, whether it's bringing new products, whether it's expanding your market, where, when do you find that they're ready for that? And how do you, what, what street or what, how do you navigate through to what area they need to grow or develop? Just give the audience some, a little lesson here. Yeah. So that, so that's a great question. Um, To be honest, first off, one of the reasons I think businesses don't scale is, first off, the limits of the mindsets of the business owner. Okay. You know what I mean? So first off, there's a lot of mindset issues that have to be, you know, to be addressed. Now, when a business, in my opinion, um, is ready to scale, um, usually it happens where a lot of their numbers are predictable. You know what I mean? So it's now like they're an autopilot. They're they're coasting. So they're bringing in certain amounts of numbers, so to speak, without breaking a sweat, right? And that's where, for many entrepreneurs, complacency comes in. That's where they plateau. Comfort Comfort comes in exactly. So when that happens, when you've seen that, oh, you know, over the last part of me nine nine months, twelve months, you've been bringing, you know, perhaps even eighteen months, you've been bringing about the same amount of revenue without any hitches or glitches. That usually is a sign that, listen, we need to be able to go hard. We need to be able to go bigger because now you are in the place of comfort or complacency. Now we need to be able to invest in systems or processes. Yes, people, of course, but systems and processes to replicate what you're doing easy here in a new environment. So, yeah, that's one of the one of the ways we look at. So when you're looking at systems and processes, I love processes. What are you looking mm-hmm. at systems and processes? Give me an example of how they would scale it to another level. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a product source business. We have three or four products we're selling. Um, we have our steady income. We're making our 25, 30,000 a month. We're doing well enough to feel comfortable. We're paying ourselves a salary. How would mm-hmm. I scale myself to the next level? So first off, the question is, what is the next level for you? It would be, I, I, many- I would say a lot of people would be financially, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for most people, exactly, that's financially. You know, um, one of the things that I realize is many entrepreneurs build businesses, like I said, as a special purpose vehicle. So, yeah, we're paying our bills. We're, you know, there's no sense of imagination. There's no sense of scale. And I think a lot of a lot of us are accidental entrepreneurs. You know, we probably started out with an idea or a passion, and all of a sudden we hit the ground and we got some success, and then we built it into a business that has become our nine to five, or in some cases a twenty four seven. Now, many businesses, for example, don't. They, you know, they don't start off with the idea, for example, of maybe like uh, I'm, I'm hoping to franchise this business model across 
25 locations across over the next three years. Most people aren't thinking that way. Most people are just content with their mom and pop shop and it's doing well. You know, we don't have to, we don't have to worry about anything. This business is still going to be around for another 20, 25 years. I had it over to my kids, right? So for us, when we're looking at entrepreneurs that we challenge them to scale, of course, we've looked at their processes. We've looked at their growth. We've looked at their processes. We've looked at their revenue. We looked at their profits. We've looked at the human human capital. Another thing we need to be able to ask ourselves is, okay, so how do we take this model and replicate success somewhere else? Because unfortunately, and as I'm sure you know, Jeff, that many entrepreneurs are not looking at being systemic. They've not they've not charted the process. They don't know what they did to get to where they were. It was almost like it's just autopilot. I just got into the car, turned on the ignition, and I started driving. But they don't know how the car works, yeah. right? So for a lot of a lot of times, we need to be able to look at those businesses and even begin to reverse engineer yeah. some of the things that they did that may have been unconscious competence that got them to some sort of success. And then we now begin to build a system around that. And in other cases, we even look at that system and see how we can optimize it for growth. Because, you know, as you know, the cliche is there, what got you here might not necessarily get you there. You know what I mean? How do we replicate not just the system, but even also the kind of vision or the kind of you know, do we have a team, for example, that is no longer just listening to instruction, but are now beginning to take initiative to say, hey, this is this was great, but there are better ways of doing that. You know I, mean? I, I think you- that, that that is one of the hardest issues when it comes exactly. to growth. Exactly. Yes. I'm sorry for cutting you off, but yeah, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to that issue of having the proper um, understanding where people start taking initiative. Mm-hmm. on their own is a huge, huge aspect of why businesses don't develop or grow in the proper direction. So continue that. I apologize. No, 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 absolutely. You're, you're right. So, because, you know, um, and, and some, unfortunately to some entrepreneurs, when their team start taking the place of initiative, they, they, they misinterpret that as insubordination. Yeah. They mis- misinterpret that as challenging their authority. That listen, if you got this great idea, why don't you go do it in your own in your, in your own time or do it in your own in your own space? Unfortunately, not rec- and before you know it, you've empowered somebody who could have been in your team to become your competition. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think sometimes that that's an unspoken conversation that entrepreneurs should have, where many of us who have started businesses are bruised by maybe other people that we have worked with. So we are, we are bleeding entrepreneurs. You know what I mean? We've, we've, we've served, we've worked, we've, you know, and now we want to be able to show people that, you know what, since you didn't take a chance on me, I'm going to take a chance on, on me and I'm going to prove you wrong. So a lot of entrepreneurs that I think are bleeding and we, we don't know how to pass the torch, Jeff. We don't know how to pass the torch. So we, we see people in our teams and our spaces who are growing. And that's the job of every leader, I believe. The, the job of a leader is to raise leaders, not followers. Yep. You know, One way you know that you're effective and you know that it's time for you to be able to scale is where you recognize that, listen, I have a lot more leaders on my team than I do followers. And those leaders might need a place of expression, right? So how do we get, how do we get them to buy into the vision that we have for Kimura, for example, or for our organization, how do we, how do we, how do we take them? How do we share a vision, get them to buy into that vision and get them to own that vision, even if, even if it has to be under our flagship or our colors. 
Um, but that's a, that's a conversation that most entrepreneurs, you know, are not ready to have um, because they feel like, you know, once somebody else isn't taking that place of initiative, they just want to come in and just learn my secrets and then go out and start their own business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it, that's going to happen no matter what, no matter what scale, True. you're always going to have individuals that are going to come in and you see that in a lot of industries where they'll, 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 they'll feel like they could do it on their own. And, and I would say yeah. 80 to 90% of the time, it never is successful, but it does True. hurt that individual um, that feels like they harnessed, they've taught, they've, they've, yeah. they've caressed this person into, into this situation. And now they, they fear them as their competition. And I mean, my mindset with that, uh, Steve is competition is, is not a bad thing. Competition is a good thing. Never yeah. fear competition as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is, is when you fear competition, um, that is when you start really, really start, you're, you're spending more time yeah, focusing yeah. on them than focusing on your growth of the business. Right. True. So that is, that is the first thing. And the second is having individuals that that have that mindset where they're they're I always say you, you want to have people not as a family as a team so you having those individuals right. as a team player and they all understand their role and a lot mm-hmm. of big corporations they never have that process in place where everybody is set as a team everybody has their individual roles so right. it, it's a mindset where when somebody scales up there's that spot missed up there's no one ready to bump into that position True, and there's that true. constant situation where they're trying to fill slots in with outside people right. bringing in new people all the time instead of having almost right. like a, a conveyor belt where people are just splitting. especially when you especially when you're looking at a company that has 10 20 30 employees you need to have that elevation where it's just constantly rotating where if there is a true. slot miss somebody to t- tuck in and that comes through a lot of just basic stuff i mean i mean company policies company manuals, yeah. having processes in mm-hmm. place, having other individuals right. in the in the company all learn different processes of the company, even though that's not their job, they understand the other positions. So they'd be able to slot in if needed. Right. So there's tons of things that, that, that could progress and grow in a company properly. But like you said, it all comes down to what you said at the beginning, the process has to be in place for all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can't grow beyond the vision you have for your business and your business can't grow beyond the vision, beyond the mindset the entrepreneur has for it. You know what I mean? So even if you do have that conveyor belt, belts of people who could possibly take over, the question is, what are they taking over if your business is too small to take to to handle them? You know what I mean? So there's a, there's a, you know, growth is important, you know, no matter how, how much you love your kid. If, if you know, my daughter's, you know, she just turned 11 uh, two days ago. Right. And no matter how much I love her, I don't want her to remain at 11 years old. You know what I mean? I'd be very, I'd be very concerned if at the age 30, she still had the yeah. mentality, the size, the growth of an 11 year old, for an example. Yeah. Right. So growth is growth is inevitable. Right. But then you must have that scale in your mind to be able to say, OK, you know what? Yes, we're grateful for what we've done, but there's still so much further we can go unless you're really comfortable with, you know, for example, being a mom and pop. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if that's what it is you want, that's what it is you want. You know what I mean? But then again, you know that there's only so many kind of there's only a particular kind of human resource that you will be able to attract into, into that business for a while before they will come through that conveyor belt and then realize there's nowhere else to go but out and then you got to start the process all over again and yeah. that's not sustainable it's not sustainable yeah and, and like exactly exactly you said i mean there's nothing wrong with having whether you're running a, a hair salon or a mom, what I would consider more of a mom, a papa shop, there's not much growth unless you're looking at the bigger picture where you're franchising. And then that's, mm-hmm. that's another exactly. world altogether. Do you ever go into businesses and look at them and be like, the business has a great process. They have everything in place just uh, for the growth, the branding, 
or the image or the style is not there to help the growth of the business? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I believe that every business, you know, to some degree is a reflection of the owner. You know what I mean? Every business has a personality. Every business has a, you know, if, if, if your business was a color, what color would it be? If it was a car, what vehicle would it be? If it was an animal, what animal would it be? Um, business has personality. And I think that. So you know, do, do you believe it? Do you, sorry, just because you said that, do you believe in sure. creating an avatar for the business? I believe. Absolutely. I okay. believe that. I, I believe that. I believe that because you need to know who you're talking to. Yeah. You need to know who who's not for you. You know what I mean? I like I like watching, you know, um, English football or soccer, like the Americans call it. We call it football. Yeah. Right. But I, I like watching football. And I and I always say I say that, you know, give you an, I'm not sure how familiar you are with football clubs, but you can use, a, you know, maybe a Toronto you know, basketball clubs. As, as an example. Yeah, yeah, I, I, right. I know football clubs. <laughs> I, I'm good with football. You right. can name some. Yeah. They're, OK, cool. So so I say for an example, you know, Manchester United is yeah. trying to attract Arsenal fans. Yeah, it's as simple as that. They're all in the business of football, but Manchester United, for example, is not trying to attract Arsenal fans, and vice versa. They know who their customers are. You know what I mean? So it's got you've got to be clear with your business to say who am I speaking to? Who is not for us? You know. So I think having avatars is important because one of the things that I've recognized the most entrepreneurs have as a challenge is being able to communicate the value they deliver to their customers in a way that the customers consider it as valuable. Yeah. All right. Let me yeah. say that again. Being able to communicate the value you offer to your customers in a way that the customers consider it as being valuable. You know what I mean? So sometimes we invest in a lot of marketing messages and branding and all those things, which are great, but your customers don't consider that as valuable. So when you communicate your message and it just goes over their head or flies under the radar, they probably didn't consider it as valuable. So a lot of entrepreneurs you know, do have a long way to go with that. So when you're conveying a message to your customer base and whether it's through an ad or marketing or, or anything, just, just to get their attention, where's your, your time-lapse? Like, how do you, how do you value whether the customer's getting value from that or not? Is it just strict metrics? Is it strict feedback? Like, what do you, what do you, how do you measure it? And how long do you keep something running before you, you put a stop on it, before you accelerate, before you put more gas on it? Like, what do you, what do you do? Well, I mean, um, feedback is important. No doubt about that. You know, so you, you know, personally, I think I give, I give, um, I have this um, um, framework that we use. We call it um, ACT Marketing, right? And it's, it's a simple um, acronym. So A stands for attract attention. Okay. Uh, C stands for uh, create conversation, create connections, create community, right? And then T stands for turn to transactions. So I think a lot of brands do the first part right, generally, or most in generally. They attract attention. Right. But that attention, you need to now look further and ask the question, is it creating conversation? Now, you know what they say? Good news, bad news is all news. Right? Is it creating conversation? Number two, is it creating connection? Now, that connection, particularly with the the people who your avatar, your, your, your avatar, is it connecting that avatar? Number three, is it creating some sense of community? You know what I mean? Is it creating some sense of community? And then lastly, is it turning into transactions? Because I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs um, are just ego tripping with advertising or marketing. You know what I mean? We're just putting stuff out there that, um, you know, attracts attention or is just generating attention. 
but doesn't fall through the filters of creating community. It's not creating connections. It's not creating conversation. Yeah. And lastly, it's not going to turn to transactions. So for us, you know, when we go through a campaign, we're asking ourselves beyond attracting attention, you know, so give you an example. Um, it's, it's one thing, for example, for you to go on Instagram and post something. So you can post a, a picture, post something about your business and people can say, oh, yes, you know, oh, you know, people are liking, liking is great. But if you really want to know if it connect, if it created some sort of connection, for example, you ask yourself, how many people saved this picture? How many people saved the post? Because anybody can like, because, you know, you know, I mean, give an example on Instagram, there are a lot of bots, they, they would automatically, automatically like, they would automatically comments, they would automatically follow. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you've created connections. So if you want to know, did it create any connection? How many people saved it? So if you posted something on Instagram, and you notice that, oh, you got 10,000 likes, but only one save, right? It didn't really, it didn't fall through that, you know, access, you know, and then we need to be able to tweak again and say, okay, how do we make sure it creates a better connection and so on. And so how does it act better? Let me put it that way. So, yeah, so that's very important. I, I love what you said. There's one word that I, I strongly believe in, and it doesn't matter what type of business is the community. Absolutely. Creating community, whatever you do is so valuable because that community, uh, they become your brand ambassadors. They become your, mm -hmm. your, your, your advertisers. They become the people that are going to push the new level of clients towards you. So I, I love that community aspect because that's such a, that's something a lot of people don't really focus on is understanding. They think they sure. might have a one product business or a 30 product business or have a service. They don't understand building community around that service. That business is just going to help you expand drastically faster. True. Yeah, absolutely true. So where, where, how do you apply this all to yourself? Where, where, where do you see your business going in the next little while? Brother, brother, I'm, I'm out for world domination, man. <laughs> give me, give me the world, give me the world. But you know, again, um, and this is where real humility, I dare say, comes in, is to recognize that um, there are certain things that you learn, you have to unlearn and still constantly invest in education. I think entrepreneurship is an investment in education. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of us perhaps, you know, don't do that. You know, so being here, so give you an example, Jeff. I mean, and I say this again, it may not sound humble, but I, I do say this with a great sense of humility. You know, coming from Nigeria, I'm, I'm a big, pretty, I'm a pretty big deal. You know, what I, I'm a pretty big deal at what I do, right? I'm in the 1% of the 1% in my, in our field, in our industry, in, in Nigeria and some parts of Africa, right? And coming to the US, it's almost for, for me, it's been like um, in Nigeria, I was a 10. And now I'm in the U.S. and everyone around me, so to speak, in my field is an 11 to 20. You know what I mean? People are, you know, and and it's not because I lack content or I lack knowledge or wisdom. It's just that there, there's a different way. There's a different environment. There's a different market. Right? A lot more, a a lot more, market. A lot more competition as well. Exactly. A lot more competition. So now I feel like now I'm an 11 and I have to learn how to grow all the way to becoming a 20, even though I was a 10 where I was coming from. So for me, the humility is in, is in understanding and learning. And to be honest, I think why my, my blood pressure went up, you know, and I had to go to the doctors is because I have not given myself grace, Jeff. I'm, I'm incredibly hard on myself. I mean, I'm hard on my clients because I'm hard on myself. You know what I mean? So I have been complaining, not complaining, to be honest. I've just been so hard on myself about how different the market is and how different the marketing is that 
I've not been able to sit back and say, listen, come on, dude, you, you, you do know you've only been here for about six months, right? You do know that right now you are in a learning phase. And while I am learning all over again and connecting and creating connections and community and going through the motions and seeming, you know, and so to speak, putting my head low so I can observe and shutting my mouth so I can listen, you know what I mean? Um, it takes a great deal of humility to do that. So I've, I'm learning to give my, I have to learn to give myself grace, you know, to say, come on, man, look, hey. And I think business owners need to do the same because we are so tough on ourselves because this is our life's work. This is our life's work. So so for me, um, I'm just in that place now, particularly because I, I just came back from the hospital where I have a wake-up call to just say, come on, man, you got to just, you know, while you do want to take over the world, you got to be alive and healthy to do it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, health comes above everything else. That's first and foremost. We, we, I think we've had this conversation before where... I mean, yeah. having that Ferrari in the driveway means shit all if you don't, if you can't, if you're in a hospital bed, right? So, I sure. mean, that's first and foremost, but I, I think that's what makes us special, buddy. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I think our drive and our mindset is what puts us at a different level. And, and I always say too, is str- as much as stress could be a negative thing, stress is also allows us to grow. Anything in life that grows or develops has to be stressed. There needs to be some yeah. form of stress to it to help it grow. So, I think is learning how to manage, learning how to say it's time for a break, learning how to understand your body. These are all things I think Mm -hmm. we all have to learn and we're always constantly learning. But the minute you can learn how, okay, it's time to take a break or it's time to take a step back or time to, you know what? There's only one of me. I'm just going to focus on this task right now. Finish it off. I don't have to worry about 30 things. When I'm done this one, I'll take on the next one. Understanding how to prioritize stuff, how to really look at your checklist and understanding what what has to be done, what's, what's priority. Once you can start to master that, I mean, I'm a strong believer that, I mean, all that drive, all that stress, that's, that's what keeps you getting up every day. keeps you going. So I don't, sure. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just learning how to manage it and how to take care of yourself, how to physically take care of yourself. So you're at a higher level physically. And, yeah. and when you're there, it allows you to get through more of the stress. True. I agree. So, so I it's agree. not, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. So what else is new with I'll, you, buddy? I'll, 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 I'll tell myself, I'll remember that. I'll tell myself that. <laughs> Very, very, very good. So do you have a, are you, are you working from home? Do you have an office there? So right now I'm working from home. Yeah. Uh, we're getting an office in another, well, again, we've been, dis- my wife and I are discussing the pros and cons of just getting an office right now. Again, because as I said, our move yeah. is just recent. Yeah. And so th- there's really no pressure because a lot of what I'm doing at the it's moment online. Is, online. Still is, is online. So, yeah. So right now we're just working from home, keeping it simple. Um, uh, projections maybe in another six months that we can now have a conversation about offices, looking at how our um, we're reaching out to our clients and demand and supply and all those other things. But right now, just taking it easy, working from home for me, it's important because I get to see my daughter grow up. And um, for me, what is really important um, is I don't want to be that dad who was too busy working that I, I missed out on her childhood, you know? So um, getting to see her grow up is important. Being able to be home um, to just, chill and ask her about her about her day um and her to confide in me and talk to me those things are very very important for me um so yeah so it may not time flies buddy time does fly my daughter just turned six my daughter just turned 16 whoa congratulations brother my daughter (laughs) just turned 16 she's an incredible young lady i mean honor roll super superstar high performance dancer she works out every single day i mean she's just Amazing. an incredible incredible person she cooks she cleans she does laundry she's just an incredible kid 
but I'm looking at her. I'm like, amazing. She's 16. I got probably a couple of years yeah. before she's off to university. And, True. and, and she's True. such a driven entrepreneur. Like she's not staying locally. She's, she's going somewhere far. I already know that we already know that she wants to be independent. And I'm looking at my wife like, like I can still remember her like holding her in, her, in my arms when she came home and she had this, I know this long ponytail in the back of her neck. She literally had, I swear to God, Steve, a ponytail like this long, like, like half a foot on the back of her neck when she no came kidding. out, she, she, she came onto this world and was just like, we still have these Whoa. pictures. And I'm like, I can still remember holding her. And she, she was the yeah. most called key baby for the first three months. She cried every single night. Me and my wife would have shit oh, wow. to hold her. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, it's, it's 16 years She's have 16. flown by. My son just turned yeah. four. My son just turned 14. It's just oh, wow. life is life, life. Life is happening. It happens and it's not stopping. And it's just, and it's, and it's true. And, and I, I, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but um, a little over a year ago, my father just passed away. So after we yes, talked, of my father, I remember, and yeah. it's just, it's, you're looking at yourself now and you, and, and now yeah. you start putting yourself in the place of your parent. True. So I'm looking at my dad. I'm like, and I'm like my mom and my dad, and I'm thinking in my head, like there was a time they were looking at us. We were finishing yeah. high school Yeah. now, like, it's so crazy. I'm 45. Like where, where is the time gone? So you do yeah. have to sit back every once in a while and take a deep breath and, and just, just appreciate what you have. Look down at your feet mm-hmm. and be present. I think those are just such important factors of everything we do. Just be learning how to be present on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you doing that because it's, it, it does fly by. And I've, I've, I've been fortunate. I'm very close to my kids. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're 14, 16. I got home yesterday and they both had gym memberships. And the first thing we did as soon as we get home is go to the gym. We all work out together at a local gym. And tonight they're awesome. going to get home. We were like, we we're always together. So I, I spent a lot of time. I still take my kids moles at least three, four days a week to school. I drive them to school. I try to pick them up when I can. So I have an incredible relation with my kids and, um, and I, and, and I've, I've had a crazy, incredible relation with my kids and I've been very present. So yeah. I'm grateful that I've had that, but like I said, it just, it flies by. So appreciate that time, man. It flies it by does. so, so, so quickly. Any more children for you or we're, we're working on it, Jeff. We're working okay. on it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll let you know as soon as I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. This has been this has been a fun conversation, man. Where can our audience get to get? It always of you? is. Where can our audience get a hold of you, buddy? Um, you know, Instagram. My handle is um, I am Steve Harris. Twitter. I am Steve Harris. Website. I am Steve Harris. dot com. So yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is uh this will continue and uh, our friendship will continue. And when when are you planning to come to uh, Toronto to see your brother? Uh, I'm coming hopefully in another th- two months. In another two months. So yes, I am. You yes, and I you're going to reach out to me. I will, bro. I got your number, man. I got you. I got your number. <laughs> I'll have you up. I, I have. I, I'm just finishing off a beach house. That'll be done by then. I'll have you up 100. We'll we'll go chill out oh, there. Oh, uh, mate. That sounds beautiful. Looking forward to it, brother. Okay. You, I'm holding up to that. You better. I'll be pissed off. If you I, come here and don't I, call no, me. No, I will definitely <laughs> call you, bro. I ain't going to come into Canada without letting you know. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, brother. Same here. Always a pleasure. Always, Fellas, subscribe to the Jeff Lopez podcast. This is perhaps the most, the best entrepreneurial podcast for fathers, family, faith, and finance, you know, that's my plug, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Thank you, brother. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it as always. That's a wrap for today. I want to thank our guest, Steve Harris, for taking time as busy schedule to be a guest on the Jeff Nozink podcast. 
Second time around, another great conversation. Tons and tons of fun. If you guys enjoyed it as much as I have, like all weeks, tell your friends, tell your family, leave a review. Five stars would be absolutely amazing. We love spending time, myself, my team, reading all the reviews. Until next week, guys, keep moving forward.